0: Welcome to the Barbend Podcast, where we talk to top athletes, coaches, influencers, and minds from around the world of strength sports. Presented by Barbend.com. Today I'm talking to world renowned weightlifting coach Danny Camargo. Danny's perhaps most widely known for coaching top American weightlifters like Matty Rogers, and today he runs one of the largest and most successful weightlifting programs in the country. But let's go way back to give some context. Danny is a former international level weightlifter who spent nearly two decades building his skills as a coach. That's culminated in the growth of Team Oli concepts, the gym, team, coaching network, and online coaching system Danny runs out of Florida. Danny's approach to coaching melds tradition with his own lessons and experience around the sport. Danny is passionate about training lifters for long-term success and building proficiency over years of training. As you'll learn from our recording, he thinks a big pitfall of the sport today, especially in the United States, is the number of coaches and athletes who expect fast results without perspective on what progress really takes. Danny is also a big proponent of something called athlete-driven training or athlete-driven success, a topic that's caused a bit of a stir in coaching circles. Find out how Danny leverages this tactic in his own coaching and why he thinks these concepts get misinterpreted so often. And just a quick reminder, if you're enjoying the Bar Bend podcast, make sure to leave a rating and review in your podcast app of choice. This helps us stay on track in bringing you the best content possible week after week. And if there's someone you'd absolutely love to hear on a future Bar podcast recording, let us know in your podcast review. I personally read each and every review, so your suggestions will be seen. Today on the Bar Bend Podcast, I'm talking to a friend of mine. He is a weightlifting coach and athlete, and that is Danny Camargo, perhaps better known as the mastermind behind Team Oli Concepts. Danny, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me back. It's been a while, man.
1: <laughs> it's, it's
0: been a little bit since we've been on the mic together, never in a podcast, normally just
1: at events. Yeah, yeah, usually, but it's uh, it's always a pleasure, man. Thank you for having me.
0: Well, Danny, we'll dive right into it. Folks might know you best uh, for being a coach and for the fantastic program you've grown. I was going to say throughout Florida, but really, it's it's national and even international now. Over the past you know, decade or so, um, but give us a little bit of background as to how you got started in the sport of weightlifting and when you made that transition to to being more of a coach. Not that you're not still an athlete. I know you're you're still competing pretty regularly.
1: Yeah, well, you know, not as regularly, and I'm just doing it for fun with, with the master's group now that I'm getting old, and I can do that. Uh, but, you know, a lot of people may not know that I was once an athlete. That's, that's where my start was, um, 29 years ago total. Uh, and I was a youth lifter, and I was blessed to have some amazing coaches. Um, I got to an elite junior level, elite uh, senior level before retiring. I was biologically young. I was 21 when I hung it up. Uh, but, uh, it was a wonderful career and I actually made a, it took me about a year, some soul searching, soul searching, but I made <clears throat> a pretty distinct transition into coaching. Uh, there wasn't any blurred lines. Uh, and I, I say that cause you might have some people listening to this and, and, and maybe they're the athlete and they're interested in coaching and they're thinking about it and maybe they dabble a little bit and they like to do it, uh, which is great. I think the, The more coaches, the more athletes, the more competition. So I'm okay with that. Um, But I urge, at least in my gym, in the athletes who I work with, uh, make sure it's something you want to commit to because balancing both, I don't think that I would have ever been able to do it. Um, I do it now, but that's because my primary job is to coach secondarily. Maybe I will do some competitions as a master. Uh, And uh, it was a very distinct line. I walked away. I retired. I became a coach. And I've not turned back since. Let's, let's talk about that
0: line. That's something I've definitely heard differing opinions on. And obviously everyone approaches a sport a little differently. They have their own experiences. You talk about that that pretty distinct line for you between being an athlete. Okay. And then you transitioned. Here it is, line in the sand. You are now primarily a coach. Is that more of a, of, of a time commitment thing or like a mental capacity thing? Are there other factors involved there that make it much easier for you to say like, this is what I am now as opposed to
1: playing that balancing act? Mental, I think, mental, emotional. Um, Time commitment, I, you know, this day and age with remote coaching uh, being uh, a possibility and opportunity for a lot of people, uh, I I think it's less than a time commitment issue. I think it's focused, dialed in, energy, emotion. uh, You know, I I really don't know how uh, athletes, whether they're masters or senior level, um, are also coaches and they are balancing in the same tournament the same weekend. I I have to go to such and such weigh-ins, I have to coach my athlete two or three sessions and then I got to put on my own singlet and compete. Bless those people. Good for them. I mean, I see it happen and and there's some relative success with that. And that's that's great. They're having a, a good time. Good for them. I don't know that that would work for me, you know, long term. Uh, I would I would like to think and even give the advice to anyone that's in that kind of purgatory you know, like in between. Um, just kind of pick one that means most to you at the time and devote more time to that and, and energy to it. Understanding that whatever is coming second, it's okay and let that be second. Um, you know, and I, I only say that because how do other athletes feel that their coach is wrapped up in their own performances, you know, and, and their own, you know, athletic either training or, or competition. So, you know, are you are you really coaching if you're half-minded into it because you're worried about your own six or six performance. So
0: that's definitely something and and having observed you coach at a lot of different levels. Now local meets, uh national meets, international meets, I've seen you at at all three and even tiers and different categories within those. Um, you are a coach who definitely you wear your emotions a bit more on your sleeve than some. You're not you're not stoic, arms crossed, you know, head nod, head shake. Um you definitely come from a, a uh, I'd say a very engaged, very energetic school of coaching is that something that you kind of developed over time or that's just that's just how you've how you've been
1: now how I've been um I'd like to think that there are times I'm more stoic. I think the more pressure on the line the little the more introverted I actually become um, i uh but you know outside of those moments, sure I'm definitely animated I'm engaged with the athletes I'm talkative if they need me to be if they need me to shut up, I'll do that too. Uh, it's really whatever the athlete wants, um, but uh, I do believe in high energy, but that just came to me naturally. I think that's just my style. Uh, I've had to work on being cool and being reserved when I think it's best. That's actually a skill I continue to still work on.
0: Fantastic. Now you started coaching, you, you, you hung up the the shoes as an athlete, primarily at age 20, at age 21, you got into coaching within, within a year or two after that. Um, coaching wasn't always your, your full time thing. And I know, um, Camargo Oli concepts. Now team Oli concepts is something that has been built over, over a long period of time. When did you get the inspiration? When did you think it was a good idea to start your own, your start your own team? And tell us about the early days of uh, that development.
1: Well, I, uh, I started coaching around 22. I was almost 23. Um, I started doing so for my first coach, developmental coach, uh, a lot I take from him now. He has since passed away and and then, and when he did, uh, I kind of took over for that same club. Um, in fact, I'm still the head of that club. Um, it's just changed names a few times, which is what you're asking now. Uh, and I've changed with the times. Uh, but that's how I began. That's where I began as an assistant, volunteering. And for probably the first seven years of my coaching, it was purely out of love. It was a hobby. I would spend money to coach. Uh, so my living was I was a police officer. That was the profession I got into. Um, in fact, growing up um, as a young lifter, almost every coach had another profession. I don't, I don't think back then there was any quote full time weightlifting coaches. There was no such thing as the weightlifting coach profession that there is today. That I've had to kind of figure out because like no one's no one's written the book on this yet. You know, I I just said this recently to a group of. Of uh, students in a course that we're living through an evolution of the sport of weightlifting, and and though I'm flattered to get a lot of questions, and I mentor coaches, and and they ask me for advice, I tell them I don't really know the final answer because no one knows the right or wrong way to do this weightlifting coaching profession. We are currently, right now, writing it out. We're figuring it out now. No one's come up with the actual solution to do it. So I can only tell you what I'm doing, what I've Succeeded at and failed at, and so you know back then it was just a club, a weightlifting club. And then um, over the years, I started seeing the demand grow for weightlifting. This evolution I just mentioned started showing its signs, and you know I jumped on it because I have something to say. It's about time. Yeah, you know, I, I lived in the dark ages of weightlifting, and I know what it's like when no one cares about weightlifting. I know what it's like when you tell the layman. I am a weightlifter. And the first question is, how much do you bench press? I don't bench, I would tell them, you know, and and now it's different. Um, There are more people wanting to do this. And the more that that happened, the more I adjusted and maybe grow my program or started this education platform, which was Oli Concepts. Um, I liked writing tutorials. I like giving people tips, social media, free tips. You don't have to pay for it, right? Love doing seminars. I like teaching. I like the audience because I just feel like there's people out there that want to learn. Uh, Who else to do it except those who have been doing it and those who are growing now in the sport and getting more and more educated and getting more competent, right? Um, It's information sharing. So I I enjoyed it. And then Oli Concepts was created. um, And I ended up changing my club name to match the company name and sort of, well, my club should represent this business of mine, which ended up now being my gym. So Only Concepts is a gym. It is also an education platform. It just also happens to be the name of my club representing it.
0: What was it like? And, and this is shortly after we started working together on um, some event broadcasting. It was not too long after you made the transition um, from splitting your time between being a police officer and a weightlifting coach, entrepreneur, you name it to weightlifting full time. What did that feel like? And did it, did it create any sort of existential, um, crisis or, or, or questions? Um, was that a tough transition moving out of a day job you'd had for a while? Yes.
1: Scary. That's one word. What it feel like I was fearful. Um, fearful of losing all that i had built it was 13 years of law enforcement and that's half a pension i was fearful that the business plan of the sport of weightlifting would not work and that this demand that i had recognized would fail and and fall that it was just a trend that the bubble would burst but you know like once an athlete always an athlete and so you know, and for the coaches out there that might be in a similar scenario, my advice to them is like, it's going to be scary. Be okay with the fact that it's scary. And the doubt that I had when I made the transition, actually that doubt is what inspired me. Um, you know, the maybe, like that got me kind of it was a, call it a challenge, if you will. And I know we're playing with my livelihood here, but I realized that any move I made, which was that one. Ultimately, wouldn't be fatal. It could be something I could reverse. It would have been a struggle. It would have been a problem. But ultimately, I went in going, okay, this may not work, but because of that, that's why I'm giving it a shot. I right? am inspired and I am motivated by this doubt. and I want to see if I can do it because it is what I wanted, right? I mean, it's, so what I wanted to do, the idea of being a full-time coach, weightlifting coach, in the private sector uh was really 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 exciting and so i wanted i ended up loving the idea and the challenge um and the aspirations more than i hated the fear that make any sense um and and so that's why i made the move uh so uh it, it wasn't shortly thereafter that the successes that I was looking for began to show up and, uh, and, and it's, I've never turned back, you know, I'm here.
0: You, you mentioned earlier, we're in this evolution stage of weightlifting, the book on how to be a full-time weightlifting coach in the private sector. It's not written yet. It's not fully written yet. Maybe you'll be the one to write it. You'll, maybe you'll have, you know, the intro chapter, whatever it is. (laughs) What, what has surprised you most in the years since you've made that move to being a full-time weightlifting coach,
1: that it's still happening. <laughs> yeah, no, that it's still happening. Um, okay, uh, that's a wonderful question. I'll tell you. I'll tell you this. There's two. There's two. If I can answer um, that way. The number one biggest surprise that I've had is that I or future coaches would have to and get away with really looking at weightlifting as a business. I mean, that doesn't make sense to someone listening because isn't that what I was doing in the transition? Well, yes, but you know, I come from the old school where you didn't charge anybody for the first 7 years David of my coaching, it was at a high school after-school program for free. No one no one paid for it. It was a it was a hobby and I was back then aspiring to be an international coach all Funding myself to do so, it was out of good, healthy pride, right? Uh, not ego, but, but pride. You know, I was proud to be proud to be a weightlifting coach, proud to be an American. You know, I'm. I it was just that was all that I thought it would would be. But when I had to make a transition, I knew well I have to make it a business, and to some extent, right? Um, and it was really nerve wracking to begin charging and charging what I do now. I think ten years ago you would have told me I would be able to charge what I do now. And I'm still, I still have advice that I'm still cheap compared to other programs. Uh, And that might be the case, but I carried a little bit of guilt. But, you know, I think it's okay now. And that was the biggest surprise that I had was, okay, well, I, I can treat this like a consultation maybe, you know, and I don't have to lose the tradition of the spirit of what I'm doing, which is purely out of love, right? So that's been the biggest, uh, the biggest surprise. My other one that I didn't see coming is this trend that I'm seeing not only in athletes, but really with coaches as well, is that impatience for recognition. Uh, back in the day, athletes would join the sport, enter the sport, and it was just understood from day one it's going to take me a while to get good. right? you know like you just got that coaches would begin coaching weightlifting and they too had that attitude wow, it's going to take me a while. it's going to take me some time and yet no one left the sport. just did it. well, now i don't really see that. it's a little scary. i didn't know that this was coming but whatever the reason is and that i can't tell you what i believe it's coming from but athletes are now joining and entering weightlifting and you know, uh, it's unfortunate, but they want overnight success. They want the recognition. They want the records. They want the medals. They want U.S. teams. Uh, coaches, unfortunately, I've been seeing a little bit of that as well. Um, coaches want the praise and recognition of being a great coach and and they want it quicker, you know, than than I believe is reasonable. And so that was a second surprise that I saw. Now, I'm not saying it's everybody, but you know I, I get that athletes join my gym or my remote training program, and I can tell right away how long they'll stick around with me and it's only because well they're they're looking for something overnight they're they're looking for that quick uh success and uh whether they find it with me or not they're jumping to online programming to online program coach to coach gym to gym uh, because they're they're not getting the fast enough results, so that's been a huge, huge surprise. It wasn't like that back in there
0: do you do you think that's partially because people coming into the sport now have been exposed to weightlifting at a much higher popularity level than it was 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 29 years ago when you were first getting into the sport. I mean, even 10 years ago, if you got into weightlifting as far as um, you know, medals to get records to break, recognition to get. I mean, what recognition? you know there was there yeah. was there was there was a small weightlifting community. there's a small national weightlifting community, but it wasn't big on social media. Weightlifters didn't have hundreds of thousands or millions of followers. There wasn't that engagement. Do you think that the growth of the sport has made it easier
1: for people to expect more immediate gratification, possibly, and on top of that, um the uh, opportunities. There's more funding in the sport of weightlifting now than there was before. There's stipends at USAW hands out, which I think is wonderful. Please don't stop. There was That money didn't exist uh, when I was an athlete or when I coached athletes to those levels. Uh, yeah, social media has something to do with it. Or, or uh, David, it could be perhaps the majority of the athletes entering weightlifting are transferring or transitioning from a different sport where they may have had some successes there. Um, whether it's football, whether it's track, I mean, uh, there's CrossFit, there are so many athletes we are getting from other sports, which is wonderful. And I, I promote that, but maybe because where they were at, so they're entering weightlifting and they have a different expectation. I can't say with absolute certainty where it's coming from, but, uh, you know, I hope that, I hope that settles out eventually.
0: Something you mentioned a little earlier, and I do want to talk about it because I think it's, it's difficult to talk about the growth of the sport and trends in weightlifting without at least mentioning this. Online versus in-person coaching. You can go online and find hundreds, and that's no exaggeration, hundreds of different online coaching programs at a range of costs from a range of different people, a range of experience levels. Online programming, remote coaching, is something that is a part of Oli Concepts now. Was that something that you were ever reticent or hesitant to introduce? And what has that... How has that changed your approach to coaching and your role as a coach?
1: All right. Uh, I'll go with the first one. Extremely hesitant. I fought it for about two years when it was first introduced to me as an idea. Really? Um, you, you, just, you just like refused? Absolutely refused. Um, again, I'm a bit of a traditionalist, yet I am happy to be open-minded about the future and the new. I think I think that's what has helped with my ability to make all my decisions have been perfect. But um, you know, point is, I, I, I don't think that I'm that much of a traditionalist where I'm, I can't let go of some of that, or I am close-minded to the future. I'm not very, very open-minded about that. Uh, but on that one, I fought it. Um, I would get advice all the time. I would see it occurring in other programs, other coaches, and they're making a killing, perhaps, um, financially doing well. And I still would say no. I would say, that's not real coaching. Uh, that might have been my traditionalist, my, my old school mentality. Um, well, I folded. My philosophy and that has changed. And I am not too proud to say that about other aspects of my career as well. My philosophy has changed. I don't feel that way anymore. Here was the deal breaker for me. Though I would have gotten approached a few times, do you do remote coaching? I would say, I'm sorry, I don't offer that. Uh, I ended up folding because... I realized that there are some athletes out there absolutely alone. They're in garages by themselves. They're in gyms that don't offer what weightlifting needs and they don't have anyone, you know? And well, maybe I can help those people. And so I opened myself up to remote coaching in like a pilot program. And I'll say, well, I'll just do it on a case by case basis. And then, Well, I did start to help people. They would send me videos, and I would give them programming. And their response to what I was giving them was very similar to the face-to-face every day I was getting without my athletes. The thank yous, they would light up. They would show me videos that were improved. And I said, okay, maybe maybe this is kind of real coaching. Um, So I folded. Uh, It is still not the largest part of what I do. It is actually the smallest service I offer um, as far as revenue and time um, commitment. Uh, And I still feel that nothing can ever beat in-person training daily. However, I do think remote training is great for those who really have nothing else. And that tends to be the athletes who I have uh, and, and done pretty well with them. Uh, Having said that, um, I still struggle with it because there's only so many videos I can see. There's only so many emails we can go back and forth. Uh, I look forward to the athletes who I have remote, seeing them either fly to me and we spend a few days together, or if I'm in their region already with other search or seminars or some other competition I'm doing, or we meet for tournaments. That's really where I... um, I, I look forward to with all my satellites, and I'll conclude this by saying that um, you know when it, when it comes to all of this, I don't offer remote training in its traditional sense, where I'm writing workouts for a complete stranger I'll never meet. Um, I refer to my service as satellite coaching, and these are my satellite athletes because I do require some FaceTime. If someone contacts me and wants remote training and i will never ever meet them um i i tend not to acquire those people it's always someone who throughout the year i will see at some point in time because i'm on the coach i need to spend time with them
0: i uh it certainly it certainly makes a lot of sense and and i think uh can at least help make up for some of the deficiencies that people think exist or believe exist or point to when it comes to remote coaching so i, I do like that re- reframing um On the topic of coaching techniques, coaching strategies, something I know that you're really, really big on, uh, and increasingly so over the last few years, is athlete-driven training. And I've I've heard that from a few people, I've heard that from you, I've heard that at competitions, um, I've heard it in warm-up rooms and training halls at national competitions and athletes talking about it, and I'm hearing a bunch of different things, which tells me there are a lot of misconceptions out there and there are a lot of different opinions on what athlete-driven coaching means. And it's something that I've also heard some coaches, I won't name any names, um, kind of guffaw about when an athlete says it or when the topic comes up because they're like, Well, that's undermining my job, or maybe that's the belief. But what does athlete-driven coaching mean to you? And why has it grown to become a greater part of the strategies that you use in developing athletes?
1: Yeah, um, I'll tell you what it means to me. And I can only speak for myself and how I view this concept. It is not the athlete can come in and do what they want. Uh, that would truly undermine my, my coaching. Um, it is not, they run the show, I do what they say. Uh, you know, I don't foster a, an authoritative coaching style um, or dynamic between me and my athletes either. Uh, but uh, so it, it's not that. Here's what it means to me. Day one, a beginner starts, they have no clue what's going on. Uh, They have to be and will be very coach-dependent, and I like that. That is where I can teach. And I love working with beginners because, well, everything I do works. You know what I mean? Everything you do is going to make them better. Uh, And there's a lot of troubleshooting going on, but there's so so many similarities between beginners. And so it's a lot of fun um, at that time. Now, the move on to intermediate levels. And that's around when I expect the paradigm to kind of shift slightly where I need more feedback from them because everybody is different. And so I do teach very early on in a, in a weightlifter's career, a little bit of independence. Um, and that doesn't mean I'm no longer needed. It's not what I'm saying. Uh, I am saying um, self-awareness, self-discovery, because in the future, which is where I'm going to end here in my definition of athlete-driven training, I am going to need them to know themselves well enough to help me help them. I hope that made sense. Because that is the reason I believe in this concept so much, because that will be the dealmaker years in the future, not so much at the time. So when an athlete performs a lift... And I say, great, this is what I just saw. What did that feel like, athlete? And they go, I don't know. Okay, we're not there yet, right? We're not there yet. But if I can ask that question and they can really critically analyze what just happened, well, I feel like this, but I feel unbalanced here and it feels like I'm losing tension somewhere. Okay, good, right? Because that tells me they are just becoming self-aware, right? And I think all... Advanced level athletes, elite level athletes have a really, really good sense of what they need. Right. So, I mean, you should, I did um, take that to a professional, a team sports, even. These athletes, they know themselves by then. Um, and they know what works for them. They know what doesn't with their thought patterns, physically speaking. So, I think the coach needs to listen. And I think my programs need to be based on what that athlete feels they need. Now, there's some times where you have to intervene and go, listen, I know you feel this way, but I don't think so. I think you need to push through this one or I need you to dial back. And as long as that trust is there, uh, it becomes a true teamwork scenario for the athlete, not just the beginner where you make all the calls, you make all the decisions. And uh, and I'll end it with here. Here's a perfect example. Um, Advanced athlete comes in and sees that I've written hang snatch for the day. And they'll say to me, hey, uh, hey, Danny, so you wrote hang snatch. Could, could I? Because it's always under my consultation. Just because they are calling some of the shots, that doesn't mean, again, I'm not needed. Danny, I'd like to tra- I would like to switch this to block work. All right. Why, athlete? And they'll give you a specific reason why. Well, I feel that I just haven't had it in a while. And if I can do this work off the blocks, I will feel certain parts. And I can think I can pull more. And it will transfer to my snatch more. you absolutely right today. We can switch. Go for it, and you will watch and coach because I'm still there. Let's uh, let's take that same scenario to beginner. Beginner walks in, coach. You wrote uh, hangs. Can I do blocks? Sure, beginner. Why? Or intermediate? Why? Well, I saw it on YouTube the other day, and it looked really cool. And okay, yeah, no, no. Please follow what I have written. So I, I hope that makes sense.
0: It, it does. The, the The question I have, and and you did you definitely did address it in in that answer, is. Well, weightlifting athletes, and maybe I'm biased, I think weightlifting athletes um, can get in their own heads quite a bit. Now, that's true for athletes in any sport, and particularly in any strength sport, but I think weightlifters can maybe be especially neurotic sometimes. It's not an insult. They're just weightlifters analyze and analyze and analyze and sometimes overanalyze, and then you get paralysis by analysis. And so Correct. what are some strategies that you use when a weightlifter maybe gets in their own head a little bit to reel them back to simplify a little bit because I do think that that's that's a hump that all weightlifters come through in their development is that they start to overanalyze and that starts to that starts to hurt their development and someone has yeah. to reel them back.
1: Yeah, then you go back to being the coach, calling the shots more. I mean, I think it's really that simple. Now um Because I've gotten that question before. Well, well, how do you know when you're there with the athlete? Well, you know when you're there with the athlete, when you coach your uh, professional opinion is they're overthinking. Okay. Hey, listen, I just heard you talk for the last five minutes, athlete. And you know what I'm thinking? Tell me, tell me. And you're going to say, you're overthinking. Uh, Let me take control of this now. And they're going to do it. They're going to thank you for it. Right? But when they are not overthinking and they're going, hey, this is how I feel because of this, it is your opinion as a coach to say, you know what, I agree with you or I disagree with you. Let's just go in on it. So, you know, I, I guess when I say athlete-driven training, um, it's 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 really more like athlete-driven success um, than it is just the training. Because in ninety-nine point nine 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 percent of every scenario where I have fostered this self-awareness and this self-discovery. Um, it's always led into this scenario where in daily training, they're taking my program and uh, to be honest, most of the time they just follow it. They just go with it. But when they want to make that adjustment, we discuss it. And I usually allow them to, because I'm watching someone get themselves better for what they need, but at competitions, I own it all and they trust me hundred percent. In fact, most of them don't even want to make decisions in competition and say, coach, I trust you. Just make a call. Put me in the best position to win. And that is where I use strategy. I am reading the athlete. I'm reading the competition, making my decisions for them on their behalf. And they just go with it. And they do not. It's not athlete-driven competition. If it was athlete-driven competition, they go to max every single time. You know, it, they, don't, they don't even see um, some of the stuff that I have to uh, deal with on their behalf. So I want to make sure that that's, people understand the difference.
0: Well, Danny, we, we like to keep these pretty tight. And I, and I have to say, we've covered a a lot of topics and especially the topic of coaching and your evolution. They're extraordinarily in-depth, so I appreciate that. If people want to follow along with what you're doing, with what Oli Concepts is doing, with what team Oli Concepts is doing, uh, what's the best place to find you and your work online?
1: Easiest thing, one place, URL, www.oliconcepts.com From there, they can contact my gym. From there they can acquire about my services. Um, and from there they can watch some of my videos, some of the things I offer, um, information for my seminar, or contact me directly. Go anyone can get a hold of me. I'm very accessible to, to my bedroom, David, I'm very accessible.
0: <laughs> well, I can I can personally attest to that. Um, Uh, Danny thank you so much for for joining us Danny Camargo really looking forward to speaking with you again in the future and we'll run into each other again I'm sure at a, a national meet in the near near future Danny thanks so much for joining us
1: thank you very much